You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. With Saya, Anissa and Parama. And this is the Year End Yak. 2022! <laughs> Hello, I'm Saya. I'm Anissa. And I am Parma. Welcome back, guys! Yay, we're back! We survived the last episode. I hope our listeners have also survived. <laughs> like, please don't be dead. <laughs> we had a lot of fun recording that part, and I hope you all had fun listening to it. And now we're going to move on to our personal year in K-dramas. And we wanted to start out with personal gogomas i guess we're calling them like we each came up with our own awards and we wanted to give them to the dramas that we loved and the people that we loved so should i just take it away take it away all right so my awards we're handing out imaginary yaks yes little little gold yaks with foil on them with chocolate on the inside exactly so i have this award that i give every year that has somehow become a thing it's the the actor award for being themselves, basically. And this year I had to give it to Iminki. So this is the Iminki Award for being Iminki. I think he's much overdue for a lot of recognition, as we talked about. And I think My Liberation Notes is probably his best role ever. Um, and I was telling these two that I was waiting to see what the audience Goguma result would be. Like, for the top of their game award. And I really wanted it to be Kim Hesu or and or Kim Goon because I feel like I mean I'm always here for women getting more more attention and more like recognition for their for what they have done. But then also I was like, well then even Key, I can give him this award guilt free without being like, why do you always give this award to a man? So for context, <laughs> last year I gave it to An Bohyan and the first year I gave it to Ijun Hyuk. Um, not that I regret giving those awards, but they have been all for men. Yes. So that's a very long explanation. But Iminki is amazing. And he really knocked my socks off this year. And I hope to see more amazing stuff from him. The next award that I wanted to give was um, Sight for Sore Hearts Award. And that's for Kim Ubin because he's back on our TV Aww, screen. Back after so long. Oh, Bless so him. I know. I like I, I haven't finished our blues. I think I watched about half of it so far. But like every time he came on the screen, like it didn't matter what he was doing. If it was like gutting fish, I was like, Kim Ubin, <laughs> you're here, you're alive. I'm so happy to see yeah. you. So that was just a joyful thing for me this year and, and I'm, I know I'm not alone it's also just like seeing him I mean him and Shinmina did not have the they did not have a love line together no no they they, they don't have a love line together. they don't right like they don't <laughs> no, have anything yeah no, but no, they're no. together in real life right yeah, yeah I don't know just like seeing them in the same show both of them just living their best lives as actors in a drama that is like a really great like acting project for actors like our blues is one of those shows where you can just tell that the actors are really you know enjoying themselves because you know Noe Kyung the writer she always gives actors such great things to do and just great things to say um and she gives them such incredible roles to fill with their whole selves and so like just seeing both of them in this happier time after knowing like what 
he has been through and what I'm sure she has been through also with like his cancer and it just made me so happy. All our babies came back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my last like end of- Should I add a candidate to that uh, list? Sure. Lee Jung Sook. Yeah, that's who I meant when I said all our babies came back. Oh. <laughs> And he came back yes. in, in such a good form too. Like, I mean, no matter yeah, man. how you experienced the Big Mouth, whether you loved it or hated it, like that, this was a really good comeback vehicle. Like something that really he killed it. Him. Yeah. I haven't watched Big Mouth yet, but I'm really glad to hear that because I feel like it's been a while for since he's done something that really had a lot of like oomph, you know? Yeah. Don't you think that he kind of kills every role though? The drama he, is not always as good as he kill is. kill every role, but he, yeah, he doesn't always get a role that he deserves, you know? Hmm. That's that's exactly. Good point, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, the last individual award I have is a completely shallow, um, I'm calling it <laughs> Jin House Envy, or like real, real, real House Envy. Um <laughs> and that's for Our Beloved Summer, because I usually don't care. You know, like a lot of K-dramas have amazing, beautiful houses. I'm like, OK, it's a rich person's house. Fine. Whatever. It's beautiful. I never want to like live in the houses. But um, Cheushik's house in Our Beloved Summer, <laughs> I, I want that house. I want to live in that house forever. <laughs> I I love everything about it. I want that like working area where he draws all of his drawings. Like I want that to be my office. Yeah. I love the windows. I love the wood. I love the outside. I love, oh, it's like everything about that house. It's just like, oh my God, this house. I want the record player playing Christmas tree. I'm missing out. (laughs) Of course. And the other thing is like, also I have sweater envy because I loved all of his sweaters. Not the sweaters of the female characters. Chewishik sweaters. I wanted all of them. They were beautiful and they looked very cozy. He's so cute. You know, what's really funny is you know, in Friendcation, where he sort of laments that people think he's cute and he's like, I don't want to be cute. And like, sorry, Chosh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. are cute. <laughs> I was thinking and you about this. getting away from that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this. Like, I so I binge watched like the last six episodes of that show, maybe last week. And I was thinking about that exact thing about he was like, <laughs> I'm I don't want to be cute. And I was like, you know. Maybe it's just accept your fate because you're one of those people that's going to be cute yeah. until the day you die. Even yeah. when he's like an 80-year-old man, he's going to be even cuter by then. He will yes. be the most adorable old man. So <laughs> the next one is a joint award between me and Poroma. So this one, we call it the most unfulfilled yearning award. Oh, my God. So this one we gave to Weehajun and Kim Goon in Little Women because... The yearning oh. was so intense, and we got so little payoff for it. I mean, oh. I rewatched that airport scene so many times. It's so sad. <laughs> like, why? Why would you just give us so little after building it up like that? Like, why? <laughs> but I was like, you know, you could show us like a fast forward from the future. The situation was difficult at the time, but like, we can have a two year. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, just be exactly. a regular K drama. Show us what happens in two years. You know how you sit through like all of the end credits of a Marvel movie because you're like, well, you know, there'll be. An- I I sat through the entire end credit of the last episode, hoping they just like surprise us with, yeah. with a short scene with an epilogue. Ah. <laughs> 
And now it's my turn. Okay, I have to start with this award, guys, because she held my heart um, throughout m most of this year, pretty much, and and continues to do so. Uh, okay, you guys are fine. The award is. Best Heartless Assassin with an Adorable Face. <laughs> Is that a spoiler? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> I don't know because I haven't watched it. So. And the award goes to Jung So Min. Yay! Yay! <laughs> okay, you guys wouldn't get why it's such a huge thing because neither of you had the decency to watch Alchemy of Souls <laughs> when I told you to. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. <laughs> I did Bye. watch one episode. <laughs> I did not even watch a second. I apologize. <laughs> I guess we can't be friends anymore by then. So, Jung Soo-min was just absolutely perfect. Um, she, I've always loved her in, in her all her previous works. I mean, with the exception of Playful Kiss, <laughs> I suppose. The, was that her? She was in that? Or was that I Susie? Don't think she, <laughs> wasn't that Susie? Also. No, no, that was her. That was Jung Soo-min. That was, that was the first time I saw her in a K-drama. It's one of her yeah, earliest A long roles. time ago. Yeah, it's but about like, time to let it go, though. Pete. I mean, yes, I suppose. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, like, but it, it, the, the smile has left your eyes. Um, uh, because this is uh, my first life. Th there are just so many instances of her being just the most excellent actress, and yet I did not expect her to do what she did in Alchemy of Souls, which is just bring out this ruthlessness. With, with like this really endearing smile on her face, like you have to love her even when she is plotting and strategizing and doing assassiny things. Even though she never, she's she's never like she's a good character, of course. She's not a bad character, but you know what I mean. You don't expect <laughs> those things from that face, and like she she does it so. She's well. a badass. Ah, oh, she's so 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 good. And um, the problem with this uh, Alchemy of Souls series is that. They were trying to do something, but the end result of it is that two actresses got unfairly pitted against each other because they were playing the same characters. I'm not entirely sure why the whole conversation went that way, but I just want Jung Min to get her deserved praise. I loved her and she is my queen. <laughs> Moving on to the next award, which is the most lovable villain. I'm keeping the title simple this year. And um, that award goes to... Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Lee Sung Min in Reborn Rich yes. playing Chairman Jin. Oh my, oh my goodness. Yes. This man completely like changed himself. How is he the same character that I watched in Missang like thrice? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a detailed performance. Ah, oh, right? Like everything from, from his sudden yelling to just when he's like completely crushed, you know, because he's aging at one point and he's vulnerable and he's not somebody who should be vulnerable like he's this this I don't even know this this iconic figure almost and he does all of this stuff uh, through screen presence and yes the mm. dialogues were really really good like they really spent time crafting his character I mean it's supposed to be a, a Song Joon Ki drama but honestly for me it was it was first a Lee Sung Min drama and then a Song Joong Ki drama. Next award is Biggest Sinner We Forgave. So this is Kwon Minu from Extraordinary Attorney Yoo. <laughs> and again, I know for a lot of our listeners, we like they didn't really forgive him um, in that what he had done to Young Woo was um, really horrible and 
a lot of us won't forgive that easily. But the show justified it, and a lot of people were really eager to buy his justifications of like a sad backstory and last minute. I don't know, lobotomy or whatever. Um, <laughs> the point is that <laughs> way too many people were just okay um, with his sudden character change in the last two episodes. And I was like, he has not paid for his crimes. And I <laughs> don't buy the thing that he's going to pay for his crime in, in second season because they just clearly did not want to investigate what he had done and, and give him the correct amount of comeuppance so they didn't really understand what he had done yeah i'll no. co-sign that i will yeah. co-sign that one the next one is one that i put in very last moment um because i realized that this is a character who's probably going to be forgotten she's probably already forgotten because it's not like the character was so amazing but um it's interesting to me because she marks the sort of old school second lead archetype the award is the second lead who secondly did till the end or second lead <laughs> till the end. I haven't quite. What's the grammar of this, guys? There um, is no grammar. I think leaded would probably be most accurate. Let us second lead it till the end, uh, who, which is <laughs> Han Ji Yoon from Love is for Suckers, uh, played by uh, actress uh, Lee Jae And so K-dramas have this habit of really glorifying um, failed love where uh, you make the person who loves in vain into a kind of a martyr. Like the fact that they have loved is like the biggest, most important thing. And their confession matters the most and their feelings matters the most. And the person who's saying, no, I don't feel the same way, their feelings don't really count. Like how dare you put yourself yeah. forward when the other person is loving you. You should be honored and you should just like you know, feel horribly guilty for not loving her back. Uh, so this went on, this guilt trip went on throughout Lovers for Suckers and it was exhausting. I hate that. I, I, I absolutely hated it. And and she reminded me of exactly why I dislike the whole second lead thing that Drama Land does so much. However, there is this just one quote that I really, really liked uh, that she said pretty early on in the show, like once they got into like the production thing, the reality show aspect, there is this one conversation between her and the main lead where she says, glances are like a spotlight, a spotlight that is lit upon only one person, a shining spotlight that doesn't move towards me, not even a little bit. And I love that. That was a good line. That was that was like one of the few moments where I was like, okay, yeah, okay, that makes some sense to have you here because I kind of get the pathos they are trying to, you know, underline. And then they went on and on and on. And I was just like, ah, <laughs> oh, die, you're like, sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, the, these are the final two. The most die for your workplace drama is today's webtoon. I really love this drama, but as Anissa and uh, Zainab, uh, Anissa's wonderful sister who was uh, on the podcast with us, pointed out, this drama really pushes the, you know, like devote your entire self and your mental health and your physical health towards the, the you know, towards getting your company to succeed, towards getting your team to succeed. Because if you're not doing that, then you don't, I don't know, deserve to be called a good person. <laughs> I don't know. It really, really strongly connects like um, personal worth with how how much you're contributing to the company's profits. And that is a horrible 
thing that drama land does over and over again without really analyzing uh, how toxic it is and despite loving today's webtoon so much i have to admit that this was the most die for your workplace drama of the year yeah <laughs> all right my final word is the otp breakup i will defend to death <laughs> this is the hill i will die on <laughs> this year <laughs> and that is um, nahito and bekijin as amazing as they were together and i know like for a lot of people this was the otp for the year actually we we know that this was the otp for the year i think like isn't this like the best otp uh, of the year in our polls <laughs> and he's no in our polls so the best otp was between nahido and goyurem oh goyurem yeah but there were a few people who also voted for um becky jin and nahido as well but the most popular romantic one was from Alchemy of Souls. Good. Okay, then I'm satisfied. Our listeners know what's up. Um, they know what's up. <laughs> uh, Naito and Goyurim definitely were the OTP of the year. Um, a, a tie in my head with Johnson <laughs> and EJ Works characters in Alchemy of Souls. But um, the breakup at the end of 2521. Was one that I was really, really okay with. I know that's not what people wanted, but they had actually foreshadowed it pretty well. But also, it just—it's one of the rare dramas which showed us that people can like have the greatest love of their life, and it cannot work out, and they can still go on to live happy, fulfilled lives. I don't think Dramaland tells that story enough, and in this particular case they did and they did it so beautifully and it's like a splendid memory as it should be so this is a breakup i i understood and i i sort of i, I don't want that ending to change um so otp breakup i will defend to death that's my final award yeah i'm like 100% with you as much as i loved them and i loved them a lot um i also feel like the case for why they needed to break up was extremely valid and it hurt so good it hurt so good uh it was so good okay i'll talk more about this in my section about the dramas that i watched this year oh it's my turn yes it is with my measly handful of dramas which somehow did keep me fed so let's start with the ones that didn't feed me (laughs) so this is my two netflix couldn't watch award which is sort of like the tldr of the awards um i've just noticed that my list of awards all have two winners or losers as the case may be so indulge me um i already talked about this in the first part but like one ordinary day i just it was two netflix i couldn't do it um and glitch also it was two netflix i couldn't do it (laughs) I tried I gave a really valiant effort for one ordinary day it just got really can you explain what you mean by two Netflix (sighs) you know like when they're sort of very dark very cynical very violent very all sorts of things like with Mm. one ordinary day it was oh what's his name Kim Soo-hyun was arrested for a crime he didn't commit as far as he knows um So it's a very sort of close, sort of microscopic look at all of the moments of him being in detention and then being interrogated and then like the manipulation that he goes through at the hands of the investigators, the detectives. It felt too close to home. That was like too, too real 
in a really horrible way. It's sort of like, I guess, I don't know if this is an accurate description, but it's sort of how I feel is it's like one of those BBC, what do you call them? The prestige crime dramas that they do that everybody is watching. Like, you know, The Bodyguard, which was mm. so huge. Mm. And yeah. like, of course, we couldn't enjoy something like that. That's how it felt. Like this drama was not made for someone like me for the same reasons, basically. And Glitch was not the same as that, but it was that whole, you know, you have that slightly uncomfortable feeling while you're watching it where you think, I thought I got away from this. Mm. Yeah, I was interested in the story, but it just felt like the dramas I was trying to get away from. Do you feel like some of the Netflix dramas are doing a lot of what we left um, like Western TV for? Pretty much. And so and even this is, if they're doing it really well, it's not something that we really enjoy or want to watch. Exactly. Like these dramas are, aren't made for the people who came to K-drama out of wanting to run away from the that stuff in sort of, you know, mm. Western dramas. And yet I think they are picking up a new audience of people yes, who never yeah. would have looked at K drama exactly, before. Exactly. So, yeah. So this is for those audience who who don't want to watch the K dramas they think K dramas are, you know, the hysterical kimchi slapping soap opera types. <laughs> yeah. Which is also not the dramas that we enjoy watching. Um, but they're also yeah. not necessarily looking yeah. for the kind of show we enjoy watching. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's that kind of enduring stereotype of, you know, what is a Korean soap opera that mm -hmm. all of those lightweight women are watching. <laughs> Emotional lightweight women. Because <laughs> we're not yeah. hard enough to watch, you know, cynical gritty dramas and it's like you know I, there's nothing wrong with my emotional retention I mean there is but not in this way <laughs> I just this isn't what I want to watch and this isn't what I seek to get out of tv like the nutrition I need from the screen is not contained in this kind of story yeah, yeah. so that was two Netflix couldn't watch <laughs> So it's not that I couldn't watch it, but it's definitely two Netflix. And I kind of like partially cringed through to the ending, which was The Fabulous, which I just finished yesterday. Oh, is it two Netflix? Oh, I'm sad because I love In Chase small Ubin. parts, but it's not so much that it's, it's still K-drama. It's based in Seoul. It's a fashion industry in Seoul. So it's there are plenty of things to love, but there are elements that are absolutely picked wholesale from western fashion industry movies and tv shows which is are it very like the devil wears prada it's not very like not? but it's absolutely same genre and but the thing okay. is where, where well, that devil was a good wears, film that's the thing where devil wears prada actually like told the entire story if it started a thread it ended it this is like a lighter copy of that um, thing. What they, what they did really well with this, I don't want to get into a review of this drama, but like the friendship aspect was really good in The Fabulous. But like the fashion industry aspect was like they are trying to copy Western uh, stories based in the same high fashion Emily in Paris-ish uh, space oh. and that okay. does not oh. land that well like it's not emotionally resonant and I was like well this is this is because this is to Netflix um and it is it's like yeah. an eight episode yeah, see, fully dropped at the same on the same day Netflix season. right this this is it isn't it 
when often when we say to Netflix, we also mean it doesn't have that emotional core that we really expect from K-dramas. Like that very central emotional story. And yeah, that that's it. That is it. You know, DP is a show that could only have been made on Netflix. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And even though it's very different from a typical K-drama, I think it really does have that emotional core. You know, even though Mm -hmm. it's six episodes, so format-wise, it's very short, but it has a very contained, tight story that it wants to tell, and it tells it with all of the emotional residence that you would want from a K-drama. And -hmm. even though it's maybe a lot more realistic and brutal in tone, it gets to the heart of things in in a way, which is what we appreciate is right. That getting right. to the heart of things where like some of these Netflix shows are very like surface level and it has the aesthetic yeah. of the okay, emotions, yeah. but it doesn't actually have the emotions. Yeah. And there's yeah. like a level of gratuity to it, right? Gratuitousness? Gratuitousness. <laughs> yeah. Not tips. Yeah. Um, where it feels like they're dispensing certain things for the sake of doing it. Right, to just sort going of through the motions, it. kind of. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I, I mean, I haven't watched DP, but from what I understand, it doesn't do anything that is like gratuitous in that sense. No, it like doesn't. it's telling the story without frills and without hiding the sort of brutality of it, but it doesn't overdo that. I mean, you don't need to overdo it with a story like that, right? Because everything Absolutely. is Absolutely. We, we discussed awful. this in the first part of uh, the year and yak, how streaming was affecting like production of mm. new K-dramas. And like you said, Abe, um, DP absolutely could not have been made without Netflix. You also have All of Us Are Dead or you have like A, a Sound of Magic, like a, a six episode or, uh, or a 12 episode. Like these would have been really hard in the traditional uh, K-drama format. But what is happening mm. is with all of the money being put in to, you know, like basically give us, pitch us any idea because like this is hot right now. A lot of ideas that are clearly geared more towards Western international audiences and not towards their domestic audiences are getting made. And that gives us some like shows which don't feel, like don't have those core K-drama elements that like really keep us... Um, you know, in the fandom. Yeah, yeah. Mm. My next award is the You Made Me Stay Award, where I think this drama is better than it really was because of you. And that goes to uh, Shin Sang-ruk in Dr. Lawyer and Lee Jung-suk in Big Mouth. Oh. Because both of them are so riveting. Like, Shin Sang-ruk, he just steals every scene he's ever in, like even as the lead. And I'm mm. sorry, Sergi Sub, but like he's got you beat. His screen presence is insane. And I actually really enjoyed the drama. Like I often will watch a drama with like complete immersion. And then a couple of months later, I'll be like, hmm, that drama wasn't that good, was it? <laughs> but at the time, you're just like, they are so good in it, you don't notice that the drama isn't as good as they are. And like, mm-hmm. Lee Jung-suk is his first post-army project. And oh, I love the turn that actors take when they come out of army, especially like big name actors. Like they give up, not all of them, but when they do, like when they give up the flower boy roles and they give up the romantic leads. I mean, Sung Joong-ki is an example. Not like this year, he would have been last year's Actually, he was in a great drama as well. But you know when they 
when they just sort of take a turn and they level up in their acting. Mm. What Lee Jung-suk did in Big Mouth is he took that sort of dark, ambiguous turn as well. And he's always been good at that. But he never really got a role that really played on it. And this time he did. And I want to see this Lee Jung-suk more mm. all the time. Dark Lee Jung-suk is best Lee Jung-suk. But he also oh, wow. has to have a marshmallow core. Otherwise, it hurts. Of course. <laughs> something is wrong with the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was also the year that I, I watched Kairos um, quite early in the year. So, man, he yes. kills it. Shin Sung-ro kills it in that drama. Yes, he, he does. He is amazing. And so look, good. I'm not going to make it about like a non-2022 drama, but <laughs> this man can do anything with whatever he's given. And yeah, sorry, Soji Sub. <laughs> I knew you would enjoy that show. So I was like waiting for you to. So when you watched it, I was like, yes. I was saving it. I knew I would enjoy it. So I was like, I have to save this. I have to watch it at a time when my mind is ready to appreciate mm-hmm. every fine moment. And actually, okay. speaking of that, I also have to mention I've mentioned at various points in various recordings over the year that I was watching Heartless City. Mm. And let me tell you, Heartless City is a nonsense drama, but you do not notice it because Jung Kyung Ho is so, so insanely good in it. He's so good. And again, it's not about non-2020 dramas, but I just need people to know Jung Kyung Ho in Heartless City is like another level. This was what, 2013, 2012? Yes, 2013. Hmm. Long, I think I remember that being ago. the point. I, I didn't watch it, but I remember everyone raving about his performance in Heartless City. Yeah, man. And I feel like that was kind of his turn from being yes. this beta hero, like friendly, sweet kind of actor. Yeah. To someone who was like, oh, this is a serious actor. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. is blooding the right word? I can't remember. Bloodletting. No, no, no. Like, you know, when the hero gets that fast blood. <laughs> Never mind. I feel like we're going into vampire territory and I'm not I'm not down with that. Well, you know, if Jung Kyung-ho does a vampire. Vampires are not allowed on this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I feel like you guys are missing my point. You know, when a hero is blooded, like, oh, blooded, he's, yes. <laughs> yes, it's that. <laughs> like it's his uh, coming of age as an actor not as like a, a person I agree but like this was your turn especially with hmm. uh, Lee Jong-suk this year I totally agree it, it's like he's finally found his niche where he hmm. can be he he can have that softer aspects of his personality on show like the warmer the sweeter aspects hmm. and the funny because he's very comedic this guy he's yeah exceptional with comedy and then he turns and when he turns yeah. it gets dark and like oh yeah. my god you feel feelings <laughs> yeah and like I know people have mixed feelings about the end of Big Mouth I didn't watch it on schedule so I knew that there was sort of lots of rumblings of dissatisfaction so yeah. I went in and there are times when you're like really but his in- his <laughs> performance is so engaging and no, I, even I, I, I will I, I was okay with it I knew that yeah I was okay with it yeah so I, I went in having like very low expectations yeah. and it was yeah. above my low expectations <laughs> yeah actually I thought it was a, it was fine as an ending yeah. it wasn't like spectacular it wasn't my favorite I love this ending ending 
but it worked it worked um, I can't remember what the ending was right now <laughs> Lee Jong Suk worked and that is yes. the point we're trying to make he worked okay. it yeah he worked it yeah conversely my next award is the you could not save this drama award <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry Lee Jung I'm sorry again my life was not what I wanted it to be and what the first half promised it would be, but that's your fault. Okay, not Ejinki's fault, but <laughs> you could not save this drum. But this was also the year that I watched Flower of Evil. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Ejinki couldn't even save the first three episodes for me. As much as I love him, I was just like not, I couldn't continue. Yeah. yeah. But at least I don't yeah. hate him. No, it's Why hard to hate him. He, <laughs> well, he, he's like this incredible martial artist. Like uh, the uh, the moves this man had. Clearly, he had worked very, very hard on his role. Yeah. But he was given such thin material in Again My Life. Yeah. Like they just wouldn't let his arc, you know, mature. Yeah. <laughs> Even the dialogue, yeah. man. I was like, Ejunki, you deserve better than this. Like, what is this dialogue that you? I mean, he was selling it because he's him. But I was yeah. I just felt sad. But you know, I don't think he's had a spectacular drama since like two weeks. But hey, you know what? This was Ji Chongwook's year. He finally had yes. a comeback with multiple, <laughs> you know, huge. What do you call it? I was saying I was about to say bestsellers, but that's not the word. Not box office. <laughs> hits. <laughs> what is it? Blockbusters. Hits. You blockbusters. TRP. <laughs> you know, uh, hits. But so I'm. I'm pretty sure, given how hardworking this guy is, um, he's gonna have his year. Oh wait, I forgot about Lawless Lawyer. Pardon me, Lawless Lawyer was also great. It was great, but so was Fla- Flower of Evil. Yeah. But like you know, the, none of them were just. None of them were were that. You know, where the fandom I have gets to confess, I, I got angry in episode 14 of Lois, Lawless Lawyer and I dropped it. <laughs> so <laughs> I just got really angry at his character and the writing and how they treated the heroine. And just, I was yeah, yeah, like, yeah. episode 13 made me really mad. And episode 14, I was just like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, you have to stop while you're ahead, isn't it? That's exactly. That's the, the yeah. key with all of these dramas like, stop once it stops being fun. Yeah, yeah, and just like erase that part from your mind and let it end at that beautiful moment. <laughs> it's the joy of dropping dramas. Yeah, Borma will be pleased to know that I no longer <laughs> hate a certain somebody in Moonshine, which also had another title. What was the other title? Uh, the when I when, when the moon flowers br- bloom, right. I th- look think at of the moon, moon, something like that. I think, I think of, of the moon. moon. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> a very poetic and lovely title, but um. Even the title, I mean, not the title save, but sometimes they help. But yeah, my baby Yusunga came back in a drama that I just, I didn't enjoy it. I mean, firstly, it was about alcohol and making alcohol. So hmm, that's part of the reason why I don't really want to talk about it. But I will give you, Barma, that I did not hate Harry. And you are right. She has improved. (laughs) So that chapter of me and Harry is over. Oh, congratulations. I will, oh, <laughs> I, will no, I will no longer like cringe and hiss when I hear her name. <laughs> but I do oh, need you wow. to do a good drama soon. Come on, man. Yeah, he's going through a, a low period. It's Listen, I mean, uh, the alcohol aspect of it aside, if it was a really good story, you would still be yeah. like talking about those aspects of it. And I, it just wasn't well, I a mean, very good story. Its central concept was kind of like 
alcohol is banned, you know, prohibition. We have mm. to overturn it because alcohol is good. So even like at its basic concept, I'm not with it. I'm not there. <laughs> so that was also weird for me to watch because I agreed with first half Yusungo and I did not agree with second half Yusungo. <laughs> I mean, I understand the complexities and the politics, but like, you know, my personal position on alcohol is haram. <laughs> so that kind of that, that, remains. That is completely fair, but I think it's important to emphasize that honestly, the drama wasn't that good because I watched it was the not. first like yeah. five episodes. And it was it wandering just... and annoying and the story lacked in pace and it was a bit repetitive. It was not a good story, basically. Yeah, I feel like Yusungo... Basically not worthy of Yusungo. <laughs> well, but also I think maybe Yusungo is sort of pigeonholing himself into Sagak's, like as if they're the easy choice for him. I don't know if that's true, but it feels a little like that yeah. might be happening. We, oh, hold up. God, oh, sorry. Uh, rewind a bit. We just said Asian Ki hasn't had like a, a big drama since two weeks, but he also did Scarlet Heart Rio and that was a huge I didn't drama. watch that. <laughs> no, no. I, I said he didn't have a good drama. She, didn't, she said no. he didn't have a spectacular drama. I, right. I don't think anyone would... Uh, described Scarlet Heart as spectacular drama. It was big, though. It sure yeah, was. Definitely big. <laughs> I feel beaten down. I can't. I can't. You can love it. I mean, we're all allowed to love terrible dramas. I love uh, very many terrible dramas, just not that one. And I didn't watch that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited about your next category. Let's get. To it. <laughs> okay. My next category is my favorite category. I saved it till last. Um, enemies to brothers. Yes. <laughs> Which is like lovers, but brothers. And said in my native accent. <laughs> brothers. So good. So, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, again, I have two winners for this. So I do think the runaway one is Ghost Doctor with agree, Rain and agree, Kimon. Agree, agree. Totally. It's so funny. Like Ghost Doctor is a drama which completely pointlessly cast Yui as a female lead and she was yeah, not a lead, why? although she was a female. Then just why did you disrespect oh. her this way? Oh, Number no. one. I hate hearing that. <laughs> I mean, but she just didn't have I mean, a lot to do and she wasn't interesting. So it, it wasn't okay. It wasn't total disrespect. But it was yeah. just not about her. It was about these two. And it's just, oh, so good. <laughs> you know what I realized? Completely unintentionally, Somehow, I don't love Rain and I've never loved Rain, but apparently I've watched <laughs> pretty much everything. <laughs> Full House. <laughs> apparently, <What else? laughs> apparently I've watched everything he's done in like the last 15 years. I don't know how, really? but it huh. happened. Wow. More or less. <laughs> so now I've decided I do like Rain. <laughs> oh. How can you not like Rain? That's my no, question. As in, you know, like you get really excited over, like, let's say Lee Jong Suk. We're all like, where? When I hear Rain, I don't do that. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. I guess he picks interesting dramas. Like he does. I look at the drama and I'm like, oh, I want to watch that, and I watch it. So yeah, good job, you Rain. watch it for the story, and he happens yeah. to be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think this is the first time it was with Ghost Doctor that I realized for the first time that I like his dramas, and perhaps <laughs> I like him. <laughs> and I didn't love all of the dramas that I've watched him in either, but this drama. I really loved it. I think it was very early in the year, right? 
And it was very early in the year. Yes, I think I lobbied both of you to watch it like immediately and I lobbied you every week, every day. And I, and I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so fun. Like, Kim I, I haven't seen in a so... drama for a long time. It was so good. Their dynamic is so fun because the enemy, the enmity is just like zinging with chemistry. Yeah. And to watch that sort of slow burn change into, you know, brotherhood is yeah. just so nice. It, yeah. yeah. I definitely want to watch this. I just, I will talk more about my, my issues this year with watching things <laughs> <laughs> later on in this episode, <laughs> but it's on my list. I look forward to hearing your issues. <laughs> um, So that's Ghost Doctor. And the next one I want to give it to is Dr. Lawyer for Shin Sung-rok Sojisob. I actually think Sojisob is built first. Sorry, Sojisob. I'm just going to apologize to you all episode. But this one also, you see, Sojisob is very good at playing the straight hero. You know, he's tall, dark and handsome. Maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> I mean, certainly handsome. <laughs> he's got that sort of uh archetypal hero look right and then you throw in this wild card of Shin Sung Rook who is this like unpredictable ambiguous morally ambiguous um you don't know whether he's a goodie or a baddie and I love it and Soji Sub doesn't know either but you know watching their relationship develop from mistrust to maybe trust to mistrust again and there's a lot of sort of you know going back and forth and like the emotional pendulum of the show is so enjoyable because that can be really uncomfortable if the show doesn't handle it right but mm. in this one it was just fun because Shin Sung <laughs> he makes everything more fun <laughs> he does yeah. he's just so great um and then, like, you have this sort of nervous tension that underruns everything. And it's good. Very good. Yes, that's it. And my last award, but not the least. <laughs> oh, that's pain laughing you here. Is <laughs> the biggest waste of star power in, should we say it together? <laughs> Cafe, Cafe Minabang! Damn oh, you! What a waste How of Soingook. dare you? Yes. Uh, what a waste of Soingook indeed. Like, especially because <sighs> Soingook was like all in. He's like, you want me to play this ridiculous genius con man profiler person? He did his best. I will do it. But <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. oh. You know, his performance, again, it's that case of the star couldn't save the show as well because he's so funny in the first episode, like I watched, I think four episodes, and before I realized I had, I just couldn't. Um, he's so great. The man is a chameleon. He can do oh. anything. And then you had Kwak Xiang, who was totally transformed. Like, how good was his transformation into the sort of bumbling, dopey? Um, I can't remember what his job was. And I realized Oyonso is not a good actress. Sorry, Oyonso. No, she is. She is a good actress. She is a good actress. Is she? This was the this... worst version. Like, they I don't know. Like, they just killed her character. Trust me. She's a good... Watch Mad for each other. First 12 mm, episodes. Right, so. Lisa? It ends at 12. <laughs> Watch the first nine episodes of Mad for nine, each nine. other and then pretend that it's over and there's no more to be seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Eight or yeah, nine. They did, That's what you they, should stop. Okay. They did completely... It was her character that took me out of the show the worst. Her character and, was written so inconsistently that I was like, what do you even want? Like, who are you? Like, what is your deal? And I don't... That's definitely down to the writing and not her acting, because... Yeah. I also who, found her what, acting distracting. So I don't... Maybe, maybe it was a, how she was directed. Maybe thing. Could yeah. be, could be. But as I was watching it, I began to hate every time she appeared on screen. Me too. Yeah. I, I started skipping her scenes. Like, even <laughs> scenes with So and Gok, I would be like, let's skip her dialogue and just watch her. <laughs> it was but so you see bad. what the problem The problem with that is the dissonance that it causes for someone who can't even miss like one word. Yeah. Is I want mm-hmm. to fast forward and I do fast forward and then I go back because I'm like, but I missed something. And I'm that like that too. Goes, it's yeah. terrible. It's horrible. That's where you just have to drop. When you talk about disrespecting an actor, this script disrespected Oyunso's abilities. (laughs) Everyone, but especially Oyunso. They made her the least likable person. And they made her sharp and shrill and one note. Her one note is that she's a good fighter and she hates Soinkok's character, but actually loves him. It is so... Like she is, she is the most annoying K drama heroine archetype. The one who always somehow emerges in these these small mystery dramas because they don't can't be bothered to write a properly fleshed out heroine, and they thought they were doing something great by making her good at fighting. No man, no, you guys. You, 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 <laughs> also, best Oyunso <sighs> for me. Kicking was... butt is not a substitute for character development. Exactly, underline. 100% exactly true. Right. Yeah. Best so for me was in Comeback Ajashi in mm. 2016. Yes, 2016. Oh, I missed that one. But I remember she you saying that it was really excellent good. Excellent. She was very good. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like for me, she's been riding the goodwill train of this show for a while. And now I'm getting off that train. So... But watch if I watch her again, bad for each other. <laughs> yeah, Did you just say straight for each other. Made for each other. <laughs> oh, okay, I was like straight for each I other. I mean, they are also made. made they are also made for each other, <laughs> in good ways and bad ways. <laughs> uh, also, come back, Ajashi is a rain drama. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It yes. Is. Yes. <laughs> it is. Okay, that's it with my awards. I feel like it's attendance awards. <laughs> attendance awards. You turned awards. up in my watch list. You get an award. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I see. I, now I see. Per, yeah. The, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I just counted how many dramas there were in her awards. Yeah, actually, that's her entire watch list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't um, take that tack, but now I, now I feel gypped. Maybe I should have done that too. <laughs> yeah, because my watch list was 11 2022 dramas, and I believe I covered them all. <laughs> Good job, Sae. So now that we've gotten our silly little, um, silly and fun and emotional in various, uh, to various degrees, personal Goguma words done with, um, we want to talk a little bit more about like our personal drama years. And that's both K-drama and other things. So, you know, like, what what was what were y'all's years like as a as a K drama viewer? And I feel like we've both talked about this, but we've also like talked around it a lot because we didn't want to like have the conversation fully until we got to this moment. So I want to hear 
I want to hear from y'all about how your year was. How's my year been like? So this year, I've been treating watching K-dramas more as like homework um, and not just watching the dramas that appeal to me. So I've been picking up. And again, I, I say homework and that immediately brings some like dark memories to people's minds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mean it that way. I mean, this homework I'm assigning myself and I'm I'm happy to do them. And the reason for that is partly because I, I've been... Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, let me introduce the matter right now. I uh, started taking my YouTube channel on K-Dramas a little more seriously in the last year. And one thing I realized quickly was that writing a blog post on dramas is a very different matter from writing a video script um especially when you're doing like an analytical bit on a piece that you really want people to understand your point of view on initially i was just doing it like a blog post and then like kind of like you know riffing off it on camera i very quickly understood that it doesn't translate uh i may have understood it but i i didn't mm-hmm. know how to improve my writing yeah. <laughs> so what i started doing was that i would see the dramas that are coming out um and dramas with like good writers uh that has like a good cast behind it basically dramas with potential and i decided i'm going to try and watch as many of these as i can because watching more dramas are going to you know make me have more thoughts on said dramas and I can practice the craft of analysis so I wrote quite a few twitter threads this year uh inspired by all excellent of twitter threads <laughs> yes <you>. very good <laughs> twitter threads um so how my drama year was is is different from how it has been um t- till 2021 because this year I was approaching it more as a study of drama land than I have ever before. Even when I was recapping for Drama Beans, I never really looked at Drama Land as something that requires extra dedication from me. It's just like a, a thing that I did that was like a, a, a byproduct of me watching dramas. And even when I was giving dramas that I wouldn't ordinarily take up, I it was still something like, it wasn't very hard for me to get into a drama because at that time I was still relatively new to drama land just a few years in. So there was plenty for me to watch and figure out what my taste was like. Now though, watching dramas that I don't instinctively get drawn to, that's harder for me now. I have become very fixed in my tastes like, I like my sci-fis. I like my light romance slice of lives. Um, I like funny office dramas. But I would not have watched the number of dramas or, or the, or the uh, diversity, like the range of stories that I watched this year if left just to my own devices. So that's how, that's how my year went. Um, so I completed 26 dramas. I am currently still watching 19 that I'm reluctant to drop. I have These are all 2022 dramas? These are all 2022 dramas. Okay. I have conclusively dropped. Like I'm determined never to go back to seven <laughs> dramas. <laughs> but some of those 19 are eventually going to end up on that list it's, too, uh, some, some of those, yes. But I just not, uh, I'm not in a place where I can commit to like really kicking them off the list right now. <laughs> it's like backburnered, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like that way about Love is for Suckers. I'm like not fully willing to drop it, but I also know that like everyone is, I've heard. It doesn't heard get better place. is what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for me, I had a very different drama year in that, well, I definitely didn't watch 26 dramas. Um, 
I only finished 10 shows and I am currently watching four and I dropped nine. So that kind of gives you an idea of like, I just, I just had such a hard time staying with anything this year. Um, and I just had a hard time watching dramas in general. And I think it wasn't that I was watching a lot of non-Korean things. I just wasn't watching very many things. And I think that's like down to A, I started a full-time nine-to-five job in November of 2021 that was using the same creative energy that I used for this job. I guess this is not really a job, but like at Except the time... We were, yeah, we were making dramas over flowers. We were, you know, Saya and I were also doing Muslim in Plain Sight, which was like in full on production mode when I started my new job. My job is also to be a podcast producer. And I was given way too much work to do in the beginning because I was, it was my first time doing this kind of job. Like I've always been a freelance. I mean, I've had a, I had a boss like when I was doing work study in college, but like that doesn't really count. Um, and so I, it took me a while to like learn how to manage saying no when I had too much on my plate. Like it, I really didn't understand how to do that at first. And I worked way too hard on too many. Th- like there was a time when I was working on four shows. Uh, um, in addition, in, in addition, addition to yeah. the other two. You're right. So six. <laughs> but I didn't. And and even if like time wise you're wor- you're working the same forty hours a week, but That's like in order to switch your whole brain into a different mode, like to a new show, um, it takes so much more creative energy than if you're spending those forty hours on one thing. Um, and so I think I was I was feeling a lot of burnout, especially like early in 2021. I had also just finished like a first draft of a memoir that kind of um, inspired Muslim in Plain Sight that was like. Uh, rehashing a lot of trauma that I hadn't really dealt with. And so like I was in a really difficult emotional place for the first half of the year. Um, And so I think like all of that combined with the fact that like now I'm spending eight hours a day in front of a screen just made me not really feel motivated to watch dramas for fun, even though like I started Our Beloved Summer in December of 2021, literally finished it a week ago. It took me a year to watch that. Yay! <laughs> um, I started 2521 when it came out and was it like June? I finished it last night. So like, and those were pro- those were my spoiler alert. Like those were the two <laughs> shows that I loved the most this year. And I, so I feel like even things that I really loved, I had a hard time finishing them. Yeah. Um, And I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, in addition to all of what I mentioned, maybe it's also just like, pandemic related exhaustion <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. so anyway I'm, I'm gonna talk about like what what was important to me or like what kind of stood out to me this year in more detail but um that's kind of how my that's kind of how my k-drama year went um and the, another thing is like I usually when I'm feeling really tired and kind of uh not in the mood for for dramas I watch a lot of variety but this year I also didn't watch variety I just was like mediated out Mm. don't worry we made up for it for you yeah I was like you know like how a toddler gets like overstimulated with too much screen time that's how I yeah. felt oh yeah now I'm imagining like a tidy uh chibi Anissa <laughs> like, 
Yeah, what about you, Saya? How was how was your year? My year was weird. Um, I'll tell you what's at the top of my list of my notes to talk about. Less murder this year. Why? <laughs> 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 so I guess the first thing I want to say is that like this was the year that saw my 10th K-drama anniversary. <laughs> and... Well, we celebrate things like that. <laughs> I want to thank my sisters and <laughs> everywhere else. Yeah. Um, so here's a thing that I have with things that I'm really interested in and that I have fixations on. I have noticed <laughs> and I've lived long enough to notice this as a 10-year pattern that I had a really hard time beginning dramas that I knew I wanted to watch I just couldn't get to them. Like, you know, this is the year also that Good Detective season two aired. And I mm. love Good Detective. I haven't watched it. I I'm watched... actually legitimately surprised by that because I was <laughs> expecting you to talk about it. Today. No, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I've heard that it's as good as the first season. And I'm excited for it. And I sat down and I actually started it and I got really into it. But it was also the case of like, I think, how did I get derailed from that? It wasn't, it didn't have official subs. So I heard that towards the end, the subs get mangled and I'm like, I have to have the perfect experience. So I will wait until, you know, there are perfect subs. And then once I sort of, I was half hanging onto the train and half hanging off and I just wanted to be really into it, but I didn't want to compromise the experience. So that has been sort of preciously set aside. So for people who've watched it and loved it, I hope, and remember that I also loved the first season. I have not forgotten about it. It is there. But the other thing I realized that I do, also a pattern, um, definitely did it last year, definitely did it this year, and I'm pretty sure I've done it every year since we've had the podcast. Um, there's, you know, you have that mad rush that sort of as autumn comes in and we're like, we start thinking about our year-end stuff. And then we start looking at our watch lists and thinking, oh, we want to talk about this. We want to talk about that. But I haven't watched it. How can I talk about it? So then mm. you start cramming like you cram for an exam and you cram all the dramas in that you can. And I have to say that 2022 <laughs> in K-Drama Land, I gave up on you. I, I did just give up, which I've never done before. So I didn't have that this year. But what I did have is a sort of a hangover from the year before. I spent the early part of the year actually just watching all the dramas that I planned to watch last year and I just couldn't make it. Um, and that was all of the thrillers. Like I, I watched like Nobody Knows. I watched, um, I finished off Happiness. Uh, I watched Devil Judge. I finished off Doom at Your Service. I watched Melancholia. You know, I watched all sorts of random things. Wow. Yeah. Um, I And, like, I'm doing this now. I just watched Idol the Coup, which literally this time last year we were talking about for our um, year ends of 2021. Um, so I'm kind of in this constant game of catch-up right now, but also I consciously decided to stop trying to catch up. And so 2022 is a bit of a, what do you call it? Like, I decided to close shop and go home. I don't know about 
like I don't know how it works for you Anissa when like Ramadan comes up that always makes a big break in my drama watching like if I'm in the middle of something in Ramadan and it's not riveting enough for me to watch it through Ramadan it will get backburnered and then yeah. I may never go back to it well that's and so what I've... happened to me with 2521 is I was watching it with my mom and my sister and then we stopped for Ramadan and then we just like yeah we just I have a whole yeah like you must have like a whole list of dramas which you paused in Ramadan meaning to go back and you still haven't gone back right for like the last 10 years or yeah something. I also had a lot of shows <laughs> sorry to not to interrupt your section but I had a lot of shows that I was watching with my family this year uh, that like because we were watching them together it was so much harder to watch them on a regular schedule because like everyone had to be available mm. and so like things just kind of fell through the cracks because of that that if I had been watching alone I probably would have finished faster or finished mm. so finished it all <laughs> yeah but then on the other hand like it's so much fun to watch things with other people it is so. I think I watched more dramas this year that you guys watched as well than I have done in past years partly because I just didn't want to miss out on the experience of watching with you guys we have like at least three or four dramas that we all watched which was fun or tried to watch at least <laughs> yeah regardless of what However, we felt about the end of Extraordinary Attorney Ooh, like I think that was the most fun collective watching experience I had this mm -hmm. year. It was yeah. great. I loved watching it with you guys. It was really nice after such a long time for me to watch something that you two were watching. Because <laughs> I always feel like I'm the one who's watching something completely different. And you guys are watching the dramas that like everyone is talking about and having deep complex discussions about and I'm like but what about murder <laughs> so that wasn't me this year <laughs> oh we also all watched shooting stars that was really fun oh, yeah, to watch that was together so fun. Yes, yes I really yes. enjoyed that one I think I actually started that like right at the beginning as soon as it aired I was watching it so it was kind of a happy um mm. accident that we all ended up watching it I think you guys both started watching it immediately and then I heard from you both that it was really good and then I also watched Borma's amazing video about it and I was like yes I'm on board <laughs> and then I caught up very quickly yeah <laughs> I think it was then, Anissa and I watched Business Proposal right what are you talking about did, did you watch it <laughs> excuse me also that's another one <laughs> we we like we were texting about it all the time and you've forgotten. I mean, I guess I can't blame you. She couldn't really make it to the about. Twitter, the live Twitter things that we had every week. Uh, but she did watch it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> that was fun. Oh, that was oh, so fun until it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched loads of dramas this year. It was 39 dramas overall or 39 shows, whether they were dramas or not. Um, only 11 of them were 2022 dramas. So... I was definitely watching things, and it definitely wasn't K-drama. I actually watched a bunch of English shows, which were very good and had murder in them. <laughs> you want to just and like do a quick roll call of what those were? So I watched Unforgotten, all four seasons that are out. It's so good. Everybody should watch it. I watched a French detective show, Astrid and Raphael. After watching Jung Kyung-ho in Heartless City... I was like, is it time for me to rewatch Life on Mars? Because I didn't love it the first time around um, because it's just a bit sort of psychedelic. <laughs> but instead of watching that, I watched the BBC version instead. Also didn't love. Definitely prefer the Korean version. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I watched, <laughs> I watched a lot of 
not a lot of. I watched a few C dramas that felt like three dramas in one. And I think we've talked about all of them. Reset, Crossfire, Bad Kids, mm -hmm. um, uh, Falling Into Your Smile, Arsenal Military Academy. And I started a couple more that I didn't finish. Um... Oh, and I rewatched older dramas. So I had the 2021 dramas that I was rewatching. But I also went back to sort of tried and loved staples like Doctors, which I rewatched and loved, and Temperature of Love, which I rewatched and I'm not sure I love anymore. Isn't that Aww. interesting? Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Oh, I've got a whole voice note diary incoming on this at some point. So if you're a patron, oh, I cannot look out for wait it. to listen. <laughs> And I rewatched While You Were Sleeping. And you know what I find fun about the rewatches is that I often end up rewatching dramas that I didn't actually love the first time I watched them. So the thing with um, uh, Parkerian dramas is basically I Hear Your Voice is the gold standard. I loved it so much. It was the drama that made me break my Ramadan rule of no TV for the first time back in 2013. Um, and so like ever since then, I have not been able to not watch TV completely because I hear your voice is so good. So every subsequent Parkerian drama had to live up to how much I loved I Hear Your Voice. And so it was Pinocchio um, after that, and then it was While You Were Sleeping, right? Mm. And I didn't love either of those at the time, because I was just like, oh, then I Hear Your Voice. I Hear Your Voice is the best. None of these dramas are beating it. Yet... Um, Pinocchio has weirdly become one of my most rewatched dramas. It's so good. Gets better with every watch. Um, and while you were sleeping, I genuinely did not expect to rewatch ever again because, like, I didn't love it so much that I no longer have it. <laughs> and I had to, like, go and look it up and everything all over again. But my sister was watching it. And so I was like, okay, let's see what she's watching. And it was really good. It and was it's good. Jung oh my God. The, like, yeah. <laughs> and of course, like Lee Jung Suk is great. And I really like Susie in Park Hae dramas. I know that everybody doesn't love her, but I really liked her. I, I don't understand why she gets the hate that she does. I think she's an excellent actress. Maybe we didn't watch her bad dramas. What was it? <laughs> which which drama was that? Dream High 2, maybe? Was she I in mean, that? I don't dude, know. Dude, everybody was, she in, was that. in Dream I High 1. Oh, she's not into Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't hate her. I actually her. really like her. Yeah, I mean, she, when she started as an actress, she was very wooden. It worked actually in Dream High really well because it was part of her character. Um, but I think in previous, and like, it took her a while to, to for her acting to catch up with her stardom. So I think she got mm. a lot of backlash. Oh, that's true. That. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess people feel about her how I formerly felt about Harry. Oh, exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah, I think it's exactly the same. Yeah. It was a year where I just I think I needed my dramas to give me a hug. So, Aww. you know, you have this sort of like an ennui bordering on malaise which was getting stronger as the year went on. And so when Francation landed in my lap, that was like game over for all of 2022 because that led to the BTS stuff and that led to a whole world of completely, like, K-dramas can wait. I have other things to do. I have a lot of sort of healing to, to, to give my mind to. I have a lot of laughter to work through my system and you know it was can I say it was such a joy yeah. to see you discover the the joy of variety this year 
Like as an observer, I just enjoyed myself as you were like, oh, now I understand why you watch variety. I was like, yes. <laughs> Even though I personally didn't watch much variety at all hmm. this year. But yes, it was we nice. We made up for you. Thank you. Sorry, Burma. <laughs> Why do I keep getting apologized to? I don't do this too, you know. I feel like I I stole your time and just... she would she would send me links and, and stuff and then she'd be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry for sending these things. Like for what reason? I watch every one of these links. Do you think you can force me to if I didn't want to? You know when you feel like I your interest in something her. is sort of abnormal. Uh, <laughs> It's it's been a fun year, man. Um, it, when we are not watching dramas, I didn't realize that we could have this feeling of like just general wholesome enjoyment mm. from something that wasn't just pure K drama, K drama. And yeah. for a lot of the uh, for a lot of twenty twenty two, this wholesomeness came from K varieties. <laughs> it came it mm. came from BTS, BTS variety, <laughs> and and BTS variety, and it came yeah. from C dramas. Um, so yeah. it's you know it yeah. it's been uh, from a lot of different sources. Okay. Yeah. Do you think it's like that thing where you're? I mean, of course, it is that thing where your nutritional. So I'm just going to use the nutrition metaphor. I hope nobody <laughs> minds. Your nutritional needs change over time, like in the sort of the past 10 years in various ways that's it's been different but it's been k-drama based and now like my dietary needs are shifting and I guess yay evolution I don't know <laughs> like it's kind of like what Warma was saying about how having like at this point in our in our life as k-drama viewers we are so set in our like what we like what we don't like what we prefer to watch like we've all kind of found our niche and then like at a certain point that becomes a habit <laughs> um mm. and i think like one of the other things is like as people who analyze k drama and have been doing it kind of profe- i guess professionally for a while now for years we can recognize the patterns so quickly and mm. i find for myself you know at this point i've been watching k dramas for going on 13 14 years like it doesn't take me long like I can watch one with most shows, I can watch one episode and I'm like, oh, I can see exactly where this is going. Mm. And like, it's nice to break that up and watch something that's different sometimes and just be like, oh, I feel like the shows that I really gravitated toward this year did either like they kind of broke that routine for me a little bit. And not in the sense of that I start suddenly fell in love with a new genre because, you know me, I love my slice of life. And a lot of what I enjoyed this year was kind of peak slice of life. Um, But I found myself in such a slump. And what got me out of that was actually crazy love. Um, And I think it was because I didn't know where the story was going at all. (laughs) And and I started it just solely for this pairing. And I was, and I didn't under, and like, even the promos for this drama were very confusing. I was like, what? I was like, I even read the premise and I was like, what does, what? I don't understand. But I was like, it's, you know, Kim Jae-ook and Crystal. And I love them both. And I could see them being really funny together. And it somehow was like, for me, this was the most old school comfort watch while also being like very different. Like it combined all the tropiness of like dramas that I used to enjoy 10 years ago or like around the time that I first discovered K-dramas. And yet mm-hmm. it was like doing something really different and crazy at the same time. And like that 
combination of like, okay, so you have boss secretary and you have amnesia and you have, uh, I mean, it was like the tropes were great. There's a scene where he's like, oh, you have marriage of convenience. Like, yeah, you have marriage of convenience. You have like uh, fake dating. You have um, his, his origin story is basically like the goodwill hunting. hunting. I was like, what? <laughs> like there were so many like nostalgic tropey like goodies in there and then at the same time like she literally wants to kill him um and it's kind of justified and they have to like work through that Uh. as part of their relationship and it's just i like it reignited my love for k-dramas and it might i think my love was kind of it was a combination of like my own exhaustion um and also like that point you get to where you're like wow i know this type of media inside and out and i'm kind of getting bored yeah And that kind of leads me into the themes that I wanted to talk about. I know usually we go in in our personal sections, we're always like, here are the top three dramas. Like, that's kind of how we've done it. But we're mixing it up a little this year. And so each of us are just going to talk about the dramas that really spoke to us this year, not necessarily in a ranked order. Although... If you want to rank them, that's cool or, too. <laughs> or we are not going to be talking in any kind of ranking whatsoever. We have decided to keep our personal theme secret from each other. We'll find out as things go on. Yes. Anisa's yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So basically the theme that I wanted to talk about was, I think the dramas that really spoke to me this year were all stories about how do you tell the story? Um. And it's about the past, basically a story about the past that is putting that past into the context of now. And like, why did you decide to tell the story that way? And what what it means for who we are now? And I know that's like a very confusing way of describing it. But what I mean is all of these dramas had some sort of different kind of framing device or format or storytelling method that was always about who did, who were we back then and who are we now and how do we reconcile what has changed and how do we want our future to be? Mm. And so this was, you know, Our Beloved Summer had the framing device of this documentary and it was very much about who they were as teenagers, who they are now and how are they telling the story of, of those two things? Not just, it, it was very much about like, the perspective and the point of view and um, why you're telling a story in a particular way. So with Our Beloved Summer, for example, there's this conversation that happens between the character played by Kim Sung-cho, Kim Ji-young, who is the best friend of Cheo Shuk's uh, Cheung character. He is the one who's directing this documentary, right, of them like reuniting after 10 years or I don't know, 15 years. I can't remember. I think it was that was 10 years. And, and like, there's a conversation he has with a writer who's working on the show with him. Um, and she talks about the documentary format and the eye of the camera. Um, and she says something like, you know, like people always think that the camera is objective, but it's not objective. It's very personal because you can see the gaze of the, of the director and like what the director decides to focus on and she was like what I love about you is you always include all of the emotions that you need but she's like why have you edited it this way it's because it's not working this way you need to go back and find out what like the the cast are actually trying to tell you instead of I mean I just it was such a smart 
conversation about storytelling. Mm. But at the same time, it's also such a smart conversation about life because it's, you know, like all of us have all the information and yet we sort of decide what to focus on and make important to our own story and and like what we've like kind of decided is going to be representative of who we are and what we're going to like throw away and kind of leave quote unquote on the cutting room floor in terms of like our own narrative. Um, And so like, I thought our beloved summer was a really good exploration of that. Um, And then also 2521 was very much, you know, you have the heroine's daughter reading her diaries and you have her learning her mother's story through these diaries. And then you're also kind of seeing how it actually went down. And the daughter is not privy to all of that history about her mother. But we as viewers get to see a lot more of that. Um, And it's, you know, in the end, Nahido, like in the present, has to sort of say goodbye to a certain or like reconcile something about or like put an end to that narrative about her youth in a really in a way that was I found really beautiful. Mm. And then you have, you know, I didn't finish our blues. I definitely fit, I plan to finish it. But, you know, like that was more of an anthology st- type of format, which I mm. don't usually enjoy that much. Yeah. But I really loved how you have this. Um, it took the concept of an ensemble drama to like it's kind of most it like took it to the end where you instead of having you know you just don't have main characters at all like there are no leads really you just move from you know person to person relationship to and then but they're all loosely interconnected so you still get the feeling of an ensemble drama and it's again that sort of um it really brings home this idea that I've always loved the most about slice of life dramas where like the best ones make you feel like the people are are real people they're not characters and I and like Mm -hmm. in all of these shows I didn't think of these people as characters they were like real to me Mm. and I and they like live in my heart now and in our blues you got this you know you have people who all know each other but they don't know everything about each other and so like you you get like an incomplete picture so each person has an incomplete picture of somebody else's story. And as a viewer, you kind of see how these like incomplete pictures fit into like the large puzzle, but each of them only have one piece. And so that's how we are as people too, right? Like mm-hmm. you can only see your own perspective of someone that might be like 2% of who they are, but that's a hundred percent of what you see from them. This is the Anissa I live for. and then I mean I have to talk about my liberation notes which we've already talked about so much but I I know that my liberation notes was kind of polarizing because some people really hated the ending um and I can I can definitely understand the reaction I I saw some people who really disliked the way that the second half of the drama went or even like episode 13 onward okay um a lot of people who really loved the first half. And I think for me, without going into spoilers, but there's like a, a an important event that kind of shifts the rest Dawn. of the drama that happens in, in episode 13. Yeah. Um, and I think like what I really loved about this writer's choice to do what they did 
and this is the this is the Maya Jushi writer, by the way. Oh. Um, and what she did there was, I think she made the really bold choice to give consequences in a way that really um, deliberately overturned a K drama trope that we like never really think about too much, which is the breakup and the separation. Mm. And and usually what happens is the main couple breaks up two years pass or a year passes or whatever, a month passes, they both do their separate healing or processing or like whatever needs to happen. It serves as a symbolic kind of um, language for them being able to like overcome obstacles in their relationship. They get back together, all is forgiven and they're fine and they have a happy ending. Mm. And in this case, the lead couple I mean, I guess it was an ensemble drama, but I think it was basically a lead couple. They break up, they spend a year apart. Um, and then when the the one of them who needed, I mean, the male lead, basically, he needed to get his head on straight. He comes back. Um, but there has been like a lot of stuff that happened in that year. Mm. And so like there were consequences for that, for that separation. And he wasn't there. And then, and then they have to deal with that separation. You know what I mean? Like, that's I feel like that's what would happen in real life. Mm -hmm, you can't yeah. just you can't just like leave someone and expect them to like remain in stasis for two right. years. And then when you're ready to like be with them Which again, they're just, they've just been waiting for you this whole time. You know, nothing has changed. They're available. They're ready to welcome you back. I, yeah. I mean, and that stasis is so typical of drama land, right? Yes. Mm. Yes. And I loved that this writer was like, actually, what if? a really big tragic thing happened in your family while that person was swanning off, like finding himself. And then he came back and you're like, you know, like now this is what we have to deal with. Yeah. I, I really, I thought, I thought that was a really bold choice. I think like the endings that everyone got were really appropriate to like who we knew for them as characters. I mm. thought it was just, Oh, I mean, I just, I just loved that. But yeah. So for that one also, there was like this deliberate overturning of a storytelling staple that I really enjoyed. We we should just like mention it because she is incredible. Uh, the writer is Park Hae Young. Yeah, apologies for forgetting her for her. No, we her always name. we Thank always you. forget writer names, but that is okay. We will look them up and we will try out <laughs> yeah. to put the yeah. names in when we can. <laughs> I also really enjoyed Pachinko for the same reason because Pachinko is a book that I read and really enjoyed, and I you know um, I've done a lot of. Like I did a work, like a seminar on it during grad school. Like it's a story I've thought about a lot. Season one of Pachinko, I mean, it doesn't really take you very far into the story. Um, I think there's going to be four seasons in total, but I think they did something really smart with the format. So the the book is told in a chronological order and the story takes you from the 1910, 1910s all the way to, uh, I think, like the 80s or the 90s. And in this this TV show, they actually, you were simultaneously watching the 80s timeline and the 1920s timeline. And I think that that gave the story a kind of poignancy and like, I don't know, it just made it so much better. Because you're you're sort of seeing there's like this tension in seeing how people ended up in the future 
And then because the story is so much about like the wounds of the past and the the like sort of intergenerational trauma and how that changes your family and how you deal with, you know, this kind of unspoken grief that a lot of times is so difficult that you can't even talk about it, especially not with your children and your grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And so juxtaposing those two time periods was so smartly done. And I think it like elevated the book. And because the book I thought was good, but not great. And I think the drama was great. Um, and of course, like all of these shows that I've talked about, like incredible writing, incredible, like they're, they're like at the top of their game in every way. And I don't have time to go into the individual. I mean, I had like pages of notes about all these shows, but I don't think we have time for that. <laughs> but, you know, the casts were amazing. The writing was incredible. The directing, the music. Oh, my God, the music. Um, yeah, I, I just but this was kind of the overarching theme that I wanted to um, to kind of frame everything under. And I don't know how Little Women fits into this, but I also really enjoyed Little Women. So I just want to give it a shout out. It doesn't have to fit. It doesn't have to fit. I just really loved exactly. it. It was great. Yeah, I think the only complaint I had about it was the way that they dealt with the Vietnam War story, which was a lot of people have talked about online what was problematic about that. Um, and that was really unfortunate. And But other than that, I thought it was nearly perfect show. I think the Little Women fits perfectly. I mean, given the costumes, which are like direct throwbacks to like a Victorian era without ever looking old, it's just like, oh my god, that's it's got such a vibe. That also that show is so gorgeously uh, like framed and staged. Like the cinematography also in all of these shows was just beautiful. Yeah. Like that's also another show where they're looking back at the past and like the wounds of the past and how it's like you know the legacy of how that's hurting us even mm. now. Mm. And I and I wonder if like we talked in trends about how there's like a a general trend of like less speculative sci-fi murdery type shows and a lot more of these, you know, melodramas, slice of life, healing type dramas. And like I wonder if this is also like us trying to process the grief and the pain of, you know, the pandemic and now that we've had a little bit more time, mm. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and 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 the biggest example of that would be tomorrow, which looks back and deals with grief of yesterday and and how people can deal with that today. I just, yeah, absolutely. That this was the year mm. for that. Yeah, talking about yeah. it without talking about it. Oh, and and like in 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 twenty five twenty one, it's happening during the pandemic, right? Like you, yeah. all of the scenes that happen in present day, they're all wearing masks. They're having to go through these like COVID temperature checkpoints. Like there is a very explicit element of that nostalgia for the 90s and early 2000s being like that we didn't have to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I go next. And yay! <laughs> I already told you guys that this year, uh, the thing hovering over all of my drama watching was me trying to understand my skill set <laughs> when it comes to um, writing about dramas. In my segment, what I want to talk about are a few dramas um, in the that that I made videos on <laughs> last year because a they moved me that much and I finally got my butt off uh, the chair and actually got working on the script shooting and editing. Um, I can get stalled, honestly, at, at any part of that process, and the video would never come out. So, uh, so the the in in order of 
dramas that like really got me to commit uh, to the whole process. Uh, the first one would be when Yumi sells, like Yumi sell too, when I um, knew it was going to come out and I was really excited about it, but also really unsure how, um, you know, having Jin Young and, and not An Bo Young as, as the main lead was going to pan out. Like I was really looking forward to uh, the second season, but I was also really scared that I was going to end up disliking <laughs> Jin Young's character so much right off the bat. And then I watched the first, I think, five or six episodes. And I realized how smart it was to have divided the two seasons, um, like putting a good like six, seven months between the release uh, of the you know first and second season, because that period sort of allowed us to mourn and grieve for the ending of the first season and then like be ready for like a new chapter in life, as was Yumi. Yumi got her, you know, period of mourning and grief and then she got ready uh, to move on with uh, Park Jin-yong's character. And I'm still not ready, though. That's oh, no, 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 no. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. But it was actually really widely um, well-received, um, especially because the first half of uh, this uh, second season was so much about Yumi reluctantly starting to have a crush on Jin Young's character. I keep forgetting his character name. Bobby. Um, Bobby, how could I forget? Was it? Sorry. Right. Yeah. I didn't watch the drama, but I know his name. <laughs> you, Bobby. Yes. It's a very, it's somehow very like uh, memorable. Yeah. Very Jin Young yi. There, there is a You, Bobby fan club in, in uh, Yumi's brain. <laughs> it was just like the highlight <laughs> of the first half of the season. Um, so I made a video uh, uh, emphasizing basically on that, like how surprised I was at how well the drama transitioned from, you know, the amazing male lead that uh, Anbo Young was in the first uh, season. Without diminishing him, they managed to uh, make Yubabi's, uh, you know, presence mean a lot in Yumi's life. And the story slowly started becoming more about Yumi as a character than her romantic life, which was also something I was super happy about. So yeah, this, this was something I was very excited about. I made a video. I'm very proud of it. So I seriously started making videos in, in around like June. Almost every single month I have released a video since then. And this is the one that has done the best in this year. So uh, I, I think it kind of translated. Um, the next video, which was about startup, obviously not uh, uh, 2022 uh, one. So I will like quickly move on from this one. Um, <laughs> but I, but the but the question that was plaguing me was that I felt like Han Ji Pyong's character felt like it was written like the male lead, even though he was the second. And the, and the reason people had such strong second lead syndrome for him was because the writers kind of tricked the audiences. They wrote him like the male lead, especially in the first few episodes. And then they did a bait and switch. And that bugged everybody because you made us think he was going to be the male lead. You made us think the competition was going to be fair. Anyway, so I really enjoyed making that video. And... The next two are ones that I, the, the first one is business proposal. I got really mad at business proposal for being something I was enjoying the heck out of and then putting in a casually horrible scene in episode seven and never mm. addressing it and forget about addressing it, um, romanticizing it and then moving on. Moving on and then breaking all its promises to us. Basically, mm. basically. Yeah. And, yeah. and 
I, that was that was hard. And once that moment happened, I started noticing everything wrong with the story. So not only <sighs> did it do like the worst yeah. thing, it, it also ruined my enjoyment of the drama. After that, I made a passionate video on that. That is also something I'm very proud of. So I want to, you know, put that out there. And finally, Alchemy of Souls, the one drama I made multiple videos on. I made two full length video and like a couple of short, you know, those those vertical videos. And like, you guys don't understand the intensity of my love for this drama that I actually made more than one full length video on these guys. <laughs> and each of them are something like 10 to 15 minutes long, which means recording was like an hour long. It's, it's, yeah, it was a lot of commitment, but I enjoyed it a lot. All of these videos helped me improve my editing skills uh, uh, a ton and my narrative skills too. So I owe these dramas a lot because they, they pushed me to make these videos. And hopefully next year, <laughs> which is in 2023, which is I'm assuming when this episode goes out, I start to uh, be less dependent on triggers like this and can actually start creating videos in a more planned manner um, without waiting for something to like outreach me <laughs> enough to <laughs> start writing. <laughs> so in conclusion, I had a lot of fun writing essays, blog posts, complaining about dramas, loving on dramas this year. And, you know, like I said, incrementally uh, bettering my writing skills. <laughs> and there are a couple of uh, dramas that I really wanted to make videos on or write a post on, but just never managed to. And the one that I most wanted to, but just could not make myself do anything for, probably because it just affected me so much emotionally, was tomorrow. Almost like every episode of that drama hurt me. In, in ways that was was hard to process immediately and, and come out with a post because it felt too trivial. And now enough time has gone by and my memory of it has become fake. So maybe it's something I need to revisit and think about. But yeah, I, I keep, I, I often think about like of dramas that I, if I had a better process for writing or creating videos, there are so many dramas I would have had more to say about in 2022. And for me, like if New Year's resolution is something that we are still doing, um, for me, it, it's important that going forward, I have a process so that I don't miss out on talking about the dramas that really mean a lot to me just because I'm not ready, like I, I am not prepared to dive into it immediately. Having a process would help and that's what I'm hoping I can do in 2023. Okay, I'm done. Good luck. Can I just say it's been really fun to watch you like not finding your voice because you've already always had a great voice of analysis for K-dramas, but like refining your voice in this particular mm -hmm. format that we know that you really love and that you've wanted to like, that you've been wanting to do this in this way. And it's just been really great to watch you like bloom. And, and for the, you know, watching the Drama Notes channel grow and mm. watching you grow as a video creator has been really great. So we're proud of you too. You. Yes. And I'm always amazed with like your screen presence. You're just so like, mashallah, you're really. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I can't word anymore. But you, like every time I watch one of your videos, I'm like, should I tell her how good she is? Or should I just sort of keep that in my heart? And like every time I just have to be like, 
Barbie, you're so good. Because you know, sometimes I don't know if this is true for you, but like compliments ruin me. So if I if like attention is drawn to the fact that I am able to do something, I can no longer do the thing. So, but I also will crave like you know some kind of affirmation that you're okay, but not you're great. It's like, yeah, you're all right. That kind of thing. So, <laughs> but so should yeah, we start I telling you you're it. aggressively mediocre so that you won't quit the podcast? <laughs> no, because I'll believe you. And then I'll be like, oh my God, I'm the worst. And they're telling me it in the kindest way possible. <laughs> okay, so but wait. So, that wasn't about uh, yeah. me. That was about <laughs> P being just like, I love your screen presence. It's just so charismatic and it's a joy to watch. You know, it, it's nice having you guys tell me this because like if see if my family told me I'd be like you guys don't even watch my videos you're liars yeah I mean because we but, also tell you when it doesn't work so. exactly yeah. so I, can, I, can, I can believe that hey I know you guys are biased I'm, I'm sorry I cannot take you guys uh, the, the, you know you're not completely objective here but your your bias is still like informed bias you would tell me if I was horrible so um, I, I will take that I it helps me thank you we're biased, but we also want you to be your best self. Yeah. So then we will we'll provide the feedback that we want, you know, to for you to get get there. So <laughs> Yes, yeah. I trust you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's Zaya's turn. Now it's Zaya's turn. Yes. I feel like we need to drop a mic and all go home. I'll drop two mics. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to drop your mic yet. You haven't said your piece. <sighs> okay, fine. Here we are. So I think I've been troubled by the dilemma that I haven't had a favorite drama all year. And as with everything this year, at one point, I just thought, forget it. I don't care. There are no best dramas this year. However, a theme did emerge or three themes emerged because, uh, you know, as discussed at length a little earlier, I've watched a lot of stuff and I loved a lot of stuff. This is the thing. I loved so many things I watched this year. But none of them were 2022 K-dramas. <laughs> well, a couple of them were. <laughs> so I'm just going to sort of make a, a spread of my themes and we'll start at the beginning and end at the end, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so by now, if you don't know, I'm a give me bromance or give me death person. Welcome to my brain. Give me bromance or give me death. Brotherhood. Wow, what a year for Brotherhood this was. Such a good year. So much good, like, bro love. And, like, I still cannot answer to myself, like, the question, why do I love Brotherhood so much? Like, why don't I love Sisterhood this much? I don't know. But it's Brotherhood. <laughs> Ghost Doctor, which I've already talked about, really set the tone for me, I think, this year with, with the Brotherhood stuff. And then you had like Rookie Cops, I think we haven't talked about yet, but that was such a <sighs> heart-filling drama in many, many ways. And I think we talked about it in an earlier episode this year, maybe a yak or something, about the first part of the show being a little, mm, and then the rest of the show being completely different. Mm. So if we leave aside that first part of the show, the rest of the show was just so nice and like the friendships, just, you know, young people growing up together and like, oh, it's, yeah, brotherhood. But but my biggest brotherhood drama 
was Crossfire. And that was not 2022 and it was not a K-drama. 2019. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a C-drama. <laughs> um, and also like Devil Judge, um, which was one of my last year's leftovers. But like Jisung and, and Jin Young, such a great relationship. And then you had Heartless City where you had like Jung Kyung Ho and uh, Spinach. What's his name again? <laughs> All of his friends. Mm. Oh, Yoon Hyun Min. Yoon Hyun Min. Yoon Hyun Min, okay. yeah. Yeah. Heartless City was very much a brotherhood drama. Like, it was all about the bonds between the the bro characters. And Arsenal Military Academy, of course. And uh, we'll save the best to last. <laughs> so that's my first theme. Can I add Our Beloved Summer to your bromance pile, even though you didn't watch oh, yeah. it? Because okay. I, I loved the relationship <laughs> between... Cheoshik and Kim Sung Chul and that just oh. really beautiful. So the second theme that characterized my year is healing. And the healing came in two flavors. Um, one is sort of like the emotional cleanse via waterworks with quite a few, actually. I mean, tomorrow for sure. And we've talked about tomorrow quite a bit, so I don't need to go into it if you wish upon me same we've already talked about it but those two I think were the strongest Hmm. but also you had shows like Miracle which to me is like a little show that could you know it was not a big deal show it didn't have big names but it was such a gentle warm hug of a drama um crazy love strangely um it doesn't seem like it would belong in that genre (laughs) But, it, but yeah, I see that. Yes, yeah, I see that. And I actually remember, I mean, this was a, I can't decide if I want to talk about this or not, so I will skate over it. This was uh, an emotionally difficult year for me, mm. which I guess it makes sense that I watched a lot of fluffy things because life is hard. And in Crazy Love, there's just, there was literally, it was one line from Crystal and it, it changed my life at that point. And right now I couldn't even tell you what that line was. No, I can, I can, I can. <laughs> so it was, I don't want to spoil the story though. So basically stuff happens and she comes to a realization that what's happening to her was not the other person's fault. And mm. it, it's, it was just that, it, it's not his fault. And like that switched something in my brain as well it's like all this stuff that's happening right now it's not anybody's fault like it's happened and and that that allows you to sort of really purge your emotions I think and purge a lot of the 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 feelings that you're feeling of of like okay I don't want to I don't want to get into it (laughs) it allows you to purge a lot of the negative feelings that you have so that was my crazy love one line that actually really did change my life for the better at, uh, in that moment. Mm. Um, and Rookie Cups also. I think Rookie Cups did a lot. The thing is, if I tell you what it was, it spoils the drama. But it it did a lot of emotional work. Like from beginning to end, it did a lot of emotional work. And yeah, all of these dramas were just like, it was like they acknowledged that you are going through something 
and that's okay. And you're going to be okay. And that was very meaningful. And I'm sure that, you know, other people who've gone through hard stuff this year or every year all the time, <laughs> I hope that they took comfort from from these dramas as well. And other dramas. If there, if there are dramas that I've missed out here that are easy to watch, <laughs> please do let me know. And the, the second um, way that I felt healing from dramas is through laughter. So they either made you cry or they made you laugh. And like youth empty, you know, that was just, mm. it wasn't a drama, but it was so healing and it was so funny. And I laughed for probably every single second of it. And it felt good. Like it feels good to belly laugh and to just laugh without being able to stop and to be able to recall that moment like anywhere else and just start laughing again. Mm. Laughing is good. <laughs> There's more to add to that, but in a moment. <laughs> and my last theme is, I, I've named this one myself, so like, don't laugh, but Sarang Boda Ujong, like friendship over romance, I think really characterized the year for me as well mm. in what I watched and what I loved. Like specifically, Miracle was definitely one of them. Today's webtoon was one of them. Rookie Cups was also one of them, even though it had a romance. The romance wasn't the core of the show. The friendship mm. was. Um, and then also in some other shows that I watched that weren't K-dramas or that weren't 2022. And you know what's funny is, <laughs> um, like, people were really disappointed in sort of the unresolved romances of some of these shows, like Today's Webtoon, like Miracle. Uh, did I just ruin the show? Oops. Oh, please. We have been spilling spoilers since the beginning. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, why? I mean, it's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I I know not everybody loved it, but I actually really did. Like, to me, it felt bold and I liked what it was saying because, and in stories, this is always true, but it feels like that people want to say it's true in real life as well, that romances seem like an easy fix to the difficult problem of coping with life you know mm. like the romance is the fantasy but the friendship is the reality and like in many ways it feels like it's both a more achievable but also a more difficult answer because friendships are hard you know yeah, I yeah. think we expect our friendships to outlive romances um in in certain respects not like as a blanket you know it's okay to have your partner. <laughs> but like, especially for, you know, us as single people, right? Yeah. Our friendships are really the most important relationships in our life after our families, right? Yeah. And over time and depending on how you spend that time together, those friendships become a family for you. Mm. So I really appreciated that we got dramas that prioritized the friendships over the the. The, I mean, a, a romantic pairing is like it's two people. And, mm. and don't give me the polyamory arguments right now. But like in, in dramas, you're watching, uh, you know, a one-on-one -on -one relationship when it's a romance. But when it's like friendship groups, it's, you know, there's often more than one person. Sometimes the, even if it's just three people, that like automatically makes the dynamics much more complicated 
and the work that you have to do between each successive person in the group, it increases with, you know, the size of the group. I just repeated myself. I don't do that. <laughs> so that was really, it was really lovely because like love between, non-romantic love between people is a very delicious thing. <laughs> and it's the, the right majority word? of the relationships right. in your life. Right, right, exactly. Those are the majority of well, like the relationships that get you through your life. And it's mm-hmm. so underrepresented in storytelling yes. so often. Yeah. Do you mind if I just butt in slowly, Please slightly do. here? Because I feel like <laughs> a lot of the shows that I talked about also are really... Like, those are kind of the meat and potatoes of a lot of these stories that I talked about, too. And it's like, yes, there is romance. You know, there, I mean, you were saying that you, like, you told us off air that you finished Idol the Coup. And I remember mm. saying to you guys last year that that was a show where they easily could have had not just a romance, but, like, a love triangle, like two male leads <laughs> vying for the female lead's attention. Yeah. The chemistry was there. The potential was there. And the story made a very, the writer made a very deliberate choice not to go there. And it was so much to the benefit of the show because I, you know, so often when they do take the romance route, it like completely steals the oxygen from right. every other relationship yeah. in the drama. And I feel like the shows that I loved this year, even the, whether they had a romance or not, whether the romance ended up working out in the end or not, like none of these stories shortchanged the friendships and the family relationships. They were so good. Like Little Women, Our Beloved Summer, 2521. That friend group in 2521 is one of my favorite friend groups. And like the relationship between Nahido and um, Goyurim in that is like the best Best besties since um, school 2013. But also, you know what you were talking about? Like, why why do you love bromance more than sisterhood? Like, brotherhood over sister? We don't have really convincing, emotional, epic depictions of sisterhood on screen. Nahido and Goyurim mm. were that. It was 100%. a saga. It was epic. It was, saga. It was like all the feelings, everything from rage to love to me. protectiveness to just like you, you would Hero do anything. Hero worship, condescension, disdain, all, all betrayal. Like, I mean, it was all there. They went <laughs> oh, through stages. Wow. It was, you have to watch the show, you Saya. Have to, I am convinced. Which is one of the reasons I, I was okay with the uh, ending of the main pair because for me, the true love for these two people, like the, the the lasting relationship that would like take them through any difficulty in their life was that friendship. And you could see that 100%. these two women are absolutely best friends to the end of their life. There is absolutely, absolutely. no way they are not. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So it's so <laughs> your drama. Eventually in 2030, when you watch it, you will, you will agree. <laughs> Yes. And <laughs> let's talk about why it will take me until 2030. <laughs> Is it all the BTS videos? Silence! I want to say it. <laughs> so yeah, I appreciated that these dramas said that life didn't begin and end with romance. That's a, a great message for me to mm. hug to my heart and take to bed and stay warm with. <laughs> but Absolutely. I did have some things that encompassed all of these themes in the most satisfying way and 
you know, I think we're all believers in things finding us at the time that we need them most. Mm-hmm. And I would, I mean, at this point, it's not even a surprise. I mean, also because Boram has already said it. <laughs> but like, BTS has encompassed all of these um, themes very thoroughly and completely. And like, just, you know, sometimes like committing to a whole drama, that mm. takes work. That takes a lot of mental work. Mm. Um, and I str- I've struggled with that a lot this year, like being able to sit down and watch or read something I definitely want to read or watch. And I just can't. And having yeah. bite-sized content that you don't have to commit to, but also gives you that full meal in 10 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour and you don't have to immediately watch the next episode although you do because you don't feel like you have to (laughs) um and also like just to touch back on what Anissa was saying earlier about the shows um where you feel like these characters are really real Mm. what's I think what takes BTS to the next level for me is that it is really real like these are real people living real lives and their love for each other is like 100% real and that you can like it's a very great privilege to be able to see all of these different deeply human moments between people Mm. and while I have thoughts about how invasive or voyeuristic that is I do know that they have like given their consent for all this stuff to be out there but to be able to witness people who allow you to see them in less than ideal circumstances. They allow you to see them being petty with each other as uh, as much as they do when they're being amazing. And, you know, just yeah. to be able to see more sides of a person than this single curated image or a one-dimensional, I don't mean one-dimensional, one-dimensional, but like a character in a drama is at the end of the day a character. Every part of them has been constructed. Whereas people in real life, they're not as tidy as that. They're not as consistent as that. They're often inexplicable. But they also do have core consistencies and they do have, um, like, everyone has a relatable face, I feel. And I think this is, you know, we've talked about this in the BTS episode, so I won't sort of belabor the point. But I felt that with BTS, I could find some reflection of who I am or what I'm going through or what I've been through in each person in a different way and you know in some more than others right before we started recording this I was texting Burma with are you sure you're okay with me sending you like thousand word essays about Jin every day she said yes but like I'll just and, and then she said what if it's now. like you know absurd amounts of like you know gin videos and I'm like just absurd amounts that's okay she's like but what if it's like obsessive amounts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yes I'm okay with all so, of it yeah. is my answer <laughs> and one just one last thing before I close out on all of this is that I remembered I accidentally came across an old Merlin video uh, mm. on YouTube yesterday where it's like Colin Morgan and Bradley James, who are the two leads of that show, the BBC show Merlin, um, singing, like lip syncing yeah. along to You're the Voice. <laughs> and I was watching that and I felt how I feel when I'm watching BTS videos. And I was like, 
oh, you, as in to myself, you've always been this person. You just found a new, you, you just found your new fix, right? <laughs> what I've always loved is the, the love between friends, that the sort of the knowledge of each other, the, just, oh, yeah. 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 Love between people. <laughs> Good stuff. That's where yeah. I'm at. I'm done. Bye then. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, can I shout out something that really gave me joy that I discovered this year, but it happened in 2020. My sister told me about it. It's the cast reunion from the Lord of the Rings movies, oh, the yeah, Peter Jackson yeah, movies. Yes. I just found out like two weeks ago that they had done this like for charity lockdown reunion in 2020. And I was like, why do I not know about this? And then I watched it immediately and then I cried tears of joy because it was so <laughs> pure and full of oh, loveliness. Yeah. And it's so nice to see how much these people still love each other after 20 yes. years mm. and how it was yeah. like as miraculous an event in their lives as the movies have been for me in my life because they have been very healing and a way to process my grief and trauma about a lot of things. So go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's on YouTube. So guys, really, it's ready. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's, uh, yes, it's on YouTube. I have a question uh, oh, you guys. Okay. What do you think is common between these three dramas? Uh, soundtrack, Love is for Suckers, and Our Beloved Summer. Music? Uh-uh. <laughs> the summary? I don't know. I'm about to fail this exam. I don't know. Will I get thrown out of school? <laughs> My brain is tired. <laughs> okay, so in all three of these dramas, the main pair go from friends to lovers, A. But okay. far more importantly, the main pair... Is it a reality show? No. The main pair <laughs> who go from friends to lovers have friends who are couples and they own a bar where they get to hang out. <laughs> And oh, you're so right. random. <laughs> it's very random. <laughs> but it's true for all three of these draws. What, 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 what was it with like friends to lovers and like having friends who own bars? What? You know what I mean, else I noticed this year? A lot of people are allergic to peaches in K-dramas. And I'm like, this is such a random allergy. Why true. is everyone allergic to peaches? You it's in Arbonne Summer. <laughs> it's in Reborn Rich. And like, I know that I've seen other shows with the peach allergy. And I'm yeah. just like yeah. wondering, is this a common allergy in Korea? Or is this just like a thing that K-dramas have decided No, I think it's, it's a trend because it used to be like um, male drama heroes had like shrimp allergies and their moms would not know and that is how you knew that the moms were not You're connected beautiful. with their child. <laughs> now it's a peach allergy that the mom doesn't know about. But then I wonder, is that because a peach allergy is less inconvenient than a, a shellfish or a um, Probably. nut allergy? Because those are, I mean, have you seen Korean cuisine? I couldn't barely eat it because of my allergies. <laughs> no, same. Yeah. yeah, I have a shellfish allergy and like Korean food. And is I have a peanut allergy as well. So it's oh, like, no. and my sister has a sesame allergy on top of those. Oh, God. Sesame, sesame is hard. Yeah. Sesame is tough. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that, we come to the end of this segment. <laughs> Just had I-